This is Show Me Day, the voice of the I'm Bill Pollack. Turkey season starts today. We'll talk with the National Wild Turkey Federation. Protecting your parents from scams. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet will be along with some tips. And the Republican field has grown from Missouri Governor. Elisa Nelson talked with Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft as he throws his hat into the ring. I'm asking the people of the state of Missouri to elect me as their governor in August of 2024. They've allowed me to serve as Secretary of State going on two terms. And I'm hoping because of my past performance, they'll allow me to be promoted to governor so I may continue to serve them. Why specifically governor? Because I think that Missouri is failing to achieve what it can to make sure that every uh, resident of Missouri has the opportunity to be the best that they can be. I see other states that are making decisions and leading in ways that Missouri should be doing. Uh, there are a lot of things I've been able to do as Secretary of State, from working to secure our elections, moving us up from barely 10th in a nation to the top three, according to the Heritage Foundation, to protecting children uh, from pornography and other inappropriate materials in the libraries, to protecting uh, citizens against uh, investors that would defraud them with ESG and other woke things. But there are a lot of things that need to be done that I really can't push to the fullest uh, as Secretary of State. We need real education reform. And by that, I mean, we need to put the money in the parents' hands. We need local government control of education. And the, the most local government you can have is putting the parents in charge. We need to make sure that no person in the state has to move to feel safe. We need to make sure that companies and businesses feel safe about coming and building and can attract employers so that your children and mine can grow up and continue to live in Missouri. We need to start returning some of the largesse of the state back to the people. Uh, about three, four years ago, the state passed the largest tax increase in the history of the state because they had a $2 million surplus. Now I think they have a 5 or $6 billion surplus. I said million before. I should have said billion. We need to start giving that money back. We're seeing that everyday families are having a harder and harder time making ends meet while the government is continuing to expand. It's doubled in the last six years. That's ridiculous. We, the people, need to take back control of our government. How do you set yourself apart from the other Republicans who have already announced um, their plans or they are running for governor? That would be State Senator Bill Eigel and then uh, current Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. You know, I think the big difference between me and other people involved in politics is, you know, politicians, they... Well, really, they, they fix the blame. I'm an engineer. Engineers fix the problem. I have a record of doing what I said I would do, of finding solutions, of getting productive changes passed, be that through the administrative rules provisions or through it, through statutes. I have a history of standing up for what is right and getting things done. I think that's what people need. People want leadership, but they don't want just social media posts and people that talk a lot. This is a show-me state. We want people that can bring results, that will show that they can get things done. I think that's what I bring to the table that no one else does. What do you think needs to be done about addressing crime in our cities and addressing um, the drug problems that go on around the state? There are a lot of different ways that we can approach that, and there's not one silver bullet that will solve that problem. But I was heavily involved in some legislation that would uh, deal with truth in sentencing, not changing what the sentence is that a judge gives, but saying that if individuals are sentenced, they actually have to serve that time. It would uh, incentivize rehabilitation programs for people if they wanted to get out of prison earlier. 
they had to go, not only have that good behavior, but they had to go through those job training programs or components of it that would require people on probation to move away from where they previously lived to get them away from the bad actors that might bring them back into a life of crime. Uh, we need to do some programs on the juvenile side for when we have uh, juveniles that go through the juvenile system that disrupts their education. We saw a, a neat uh, charter school that was started by Judge Edwards in the city of St. Louis that was designed to help take those kids and make sure they were separated from their friends that got them into the juvenile system in the first place and helped to get them an education and divert them from the criminal ad adult process. We need to, to do all sorts of things like that. And we need leaders that are willing to think outside of the box and not just say, uh, what did Indiana do? What did Illinois do? What did New York do? But what is best for the state of Missouri? Put their head down and get it done. So what's next? Do you have like a statewide tour coming up or anything like that? Or is it too early for that? <laughs> um, I The legislature is still in session, so I am somewhat limited on how much I travel around the state because I want to make sure I'm around to, to, to help move legislation. I push more legislation than any other statewide. I've actually had some people get mad at me because I actually testify in hearings. I, I seem to think that if the people are paying me to do a job, I need to do it and I need to do it to the best of my abilities. But I will, especially when the legislature adjourns, spend more time traveling the state every year, whether I'm running for something or not. I visit every county in the state. I think it's important if I really want to serve the people of the state of Missouri, not just to be lecturing them or talking to them, but actually listening to them, going to where they are, spending time where they live and helping to have a better understanding of how best to serve them. Secretary of State position, it, it's not term limited, is it? I'm trying to remember. It is not. Uh, in Missouri, the only term limits we have are on governor and treasurer. But uh, I don't think it's good for individuals to stay in seats for a long time. I think they start to think that those seats belong to them instead of understanding that they belong to the people. And that anyone that's allowed in an elected position, that's a gift that's bestowed by the people. And we are there as public servants, should not be there for our own political power or posturing. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft joining Show Me Today. I'm Elisa Nelson. He's a Republican and announcing that he is running for governor in 2024. What other issues that you haven't talked about so far do you think are worth mentioning? Well, I mean, I, I think I, I already mentioned things we need to do with that, some things we need to do in education. I, we continue to do things with regard to our sure that they have accessibility, they have security, and they have credibility. I talked about rule of law. I think we also need to look from a logistics standpoint, not only what we're doing with our roads, what we're doing with rail, and what we're doing with our inland waterways. Missouri has great opportunity with container on barge up the Mississippi and then up the Missouri River. There's a great opportunity to make Missouri a logistics hub for this country, to make it the agricultural technology hub for this country. We just need to, to get out there and tell people about the greatness of Missouri and the potential that we have and get the government out of the way. I'm curious what you think about the efforts to expand I-70 to six lanes. Well, unfortunately, when I originally heard that, I thought that it was going to be expanding it to six lanes across the state. And then I realized that it was just, if you're talking about the governor's proposal, it's just to tinker with I-70 in St. Louis, Kansas City, and Columbia. 
Um, and after just raising the gas tax, it would use general revenue instead of the gas tax. So I think there are, there are concerns about how that would be done. I think I-70, I-44 are major arteries for our state, and we need to be worried about them. But we also need to make sure we're doing it in a way that really makes them usable and is uh, appropriate for the people of the state. Okay, very good. I, uh, You know, not being term limited at your current position, you have one of the most powerful positions in state government. So, but as you said, you know, you don't want to serve in that position for a long time. Any individual that's sitting in an elected position for power should not be there. The only reason for me to be serving in government is to be working for the people of the state. I am concerned that the longer you're in politics in one position, the easier it is to forget that you're supposed to be for there for the people. Uh, so I don't want to stay in this position. Because of that, I want to let some new blood come in. I think that's good for the process. And also, there are things that need to be done for the people of Missouri that other people aren't working on that I can't do from my position. You know, when you think about some of the other legislative things I've done, we we actually passed a bill out of the House uh, with Representative Hafner that would address the concerns that people have with foreign ownership of land in the state of Missouri, prohibiting China from buying any land, not just agricultural land, but any more land in the state, including uh, Russia and some other nations like that, reducing the total amount of land that uh, agricultural land that any foreign companies can buy while also protecting Missouri jobs. That's the sort of thing that I can do more of as governor, that it's more difficult for me to push and use the bully pulpit of the Secretary of State to get accomplished. Yeah, and I know you got some criticism for um, being a part of that discussion, I think, in committee. So just for our listeners to understand, talk about, as your position as uh, Secretary of State, how you... um, where that comes in, where, why that, why you belong in that conversation as Secretary of State? Well, because no one else was doing anything about it. It's been 10 years and the legislature has not dealt with it. So I worked with legislators to start to move us forward in the process. I don't want to say that the bill that we had put forth, we thought was the end, the be all and end all, but we thought it was a good first step. And it would at least make the legislature in the state start to address this problem. And I am I'm thankful that legislators are willing to, to work with me on that. And I think that all statewide elected officials, when they see problems that are not being addressed, we should work to solve them. Missouri Secretary Thanks. of State Jay Ashcroft. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Over the past few years, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected how we live our daily lives. Today, one in five Americans experience emotional and mental health challenges, but many of us do not understand what we are facing or how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit MentallyHealthyNation.org to learn more. I see you finally got 
I did. Bought it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Oh. Patty! No! Are you okay? Somebody do something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet! It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Welcome back to Show Me Today. Turkey season starts today through May 7th. National Wild Turkey Federation biologist John Burke says the turkey population is diminishing in some places. He talks with Ashley Bird about their work to help restore their habitats. Missouri has always kind of had a reputation as being the place in the in the nation for eastern turkeys. I mean, it's particularly, you know, we've got 1.6 million acres of the Mark Twain National Forest and about that same amount in uh, lands owned by the Missouri Department of Conservation. So it's pretty much a national or has been still still is a, a national destination for for eastern turkey hunting because we do have a lot of public land uh, as far as spread out across the across the state. And, you know, the success rates were really high. And that was, you know, 20 years ago, we were. You know, we were harvesting more turkeys than other states had. Now, we set the harvest record in 2004 at 62,000 gobblers harvested. So it, we had a really strong, strong reputation as the place to go for eastern turkey hunting. And over the years, for a variety of reasons, you know, that's the birds have declined and, and even more significantly so in the northern part of the state than in the Ozarks where the where the Mark Twain National Forest is. Um, some research, recent research, looking at the stuff that, that Michael Chamberlain has has looked at, you know, the national decline is of averages about 18% from where we were at the high water mark in the early 2000s. And in North Missouri, uh, you know, we've had a, a little bit better than we have had hatches the last two years, but uh, prior to that, we were 60% down from where we were in the early 2000s. So there were 
a lot of concern in the state of Missouri from our turkey hunters um, and, you know, what we've been doing all along. I mean, Missouri is the number one, you know, we were ranked, uh, we were awarded the number one state in the nation from a, from a fundraising conservation standpoint uh, in last year. And we were, were always in the top three. So, you know, our volunteers care a lot about this bird and they raise a lot of money to make sure it's being taken care of. As a biologist, I, I want to ask you this, John, as a biologist, you know, we see turkeys in just about every state, right? So it, it's not necessarily climate variance, is it? What, what's going on? There, there's a whole lot of different things, and it is relative. I mean, again, in the early 2000s, we had turkey populations that would rival anything on the planet that has ever been. I mean, we had 30, 40 birds per square mile. There was almost literally a turkey standing underneath every other tree. And that's what folks got used to, you know, and that's we've come down quite a bit from that. But we're still, you know, our populations are still pretty strong compared to compared to other eastern turkey populations in other states. What there's a there's a bunch of different reasons. You know, a lot of if you ask the average turkey hunter what the reason is, it's 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 raccoons, predators. I mean, we've got and we do have really high predator populations, probably higher than we have historically had. And, you know, they raccoons, skunks, possums, they eat eggs and they and and other predators eat poults. And that's, you know, basically they're, they're snapping a, a pretty short line between two dots. And that's that's the main reason. And again, it is it is one of the problems faced, but the the big problem, the big challenge is is, is habitat, and that's what we're focusing our efforts on. We've lost over 700,000 acres of habitat that was that used to be when it was put in a 10 to 15 year, you know, easement. Basically, the the, the landowner was getting a rental payment to grow, you know, native warm season grasses and forbs and not grow corn and beans. Well, once those the commodity prices turned around and those contracts timed out, those fields went back into corn and beans. And when you take 700,000 acres of good breed range off the table, you're going to see a decline. Another thing that's happened is, you know, everybody says it's wet in the spring. It rains in the spring. That's normal. Well, if you look at historical rainfall patterns from March through May, um, we're the last 14 years have been the wettest in the last 126. And a wet turkey, a wet hen sitting on a nest emits a lot of scent, and the things that are eating her eggs hunt with their nose. So mm. if you're spending a lot of time sitting on a nest, it's just a math problem. You know, if you, if you're, if a third of the time that of the 28 days that you're you're sitting on that nest, you're sitting on it dry. You probably have a better chance of, of hatching off a, a clutch of eggs than if you're spending 60% of your time sitting on that nest wet. John Burke is the district biologist for the National Wild Turkey Federation and telling us here on Show Me Today all the important projects you're doing for turkeys in this state. And, you know, when it comes to trying to rebuild, re- restore these populations, what can you do besides prime the habitat? Do you try to raise them? Can you do what they do with wolves, you know, and, and try to have them grow and, and be released? How can you restore it? Yeah, that's some some folks, and I'm getting more and more contacts because of, you know, birds declining, and particularly in some places more than others. I'm fielding more of those kinds of calls, you know, hey, you know, let's move some birds in here. And um, the, the only 
the only type of restoration that works is what we did on the front end of this of the restoration, and that's moving capturing wild birds and moving them to voids on the on the landscape where there's suitable habitat but no turkeys. And but this day and age right now, particularly in the Midwest, there is no place that where we have to stock birds. Um, most folks don't realize how large a home range a turkey has. I mean, they, they'll they cover an area of about 5,000 acres in the, over the course of a year, and that's eight square miles. So the turkeys that are out there on the landscape, there's enough of them, and they're scattered out enough, and the connect- connectivity of, of the land, at least here in Missouri, is suitable enough to where, you know, we're, the birds – can fill good habitat as it as it develops, and that's that's kind of the difference that you know, the people that we're hearing from are people that have marginal habitat and no turkeys. You know, where our turkey population has dropped to where the birds really only have to be in the real in the best of the best. You know, every every pocket of land has carrying capacity, so there's only so many turkeys that a block of land or a, or a unit of land can hold, and once that threshold is exceeded, those birds expand out onto more and more marginal areas. And you know, a wild adult turkey can live pretty much almost anywhere. They don't like thick, but other than that, they can an adult turkey can survive in a lot of places where a poult cannot. And you know, as these birds moved out onto more and more marginal areas like we saw in the early two thousands, folks got used to seeing turkeys where it really wasn't all that great a turkey habitat. Well, that process reverses. You know, a turkey population, they're, they're a prey species. They, you know, hens are only going to live about three years at, at the most and gobblers maybe four or five in an unhunted population. So they basically your turkey population turns over every three years. And if you're not getting really good production, you're going to see drops. So the folks that have good habitat have turkeys and the folks that don't have good habitat have no turkeys. And that's, the trick is is to improve the habitat so that the birds naturally fill back in, and that's what we focus on. And we, both on private and public land, we've got cost share programs up in the Northeast where we've had our more significant declines. You know, we we work with the Missouri Department of Conservation on projects on their lands. We work closely with the U.S. Forest Service on the Mark Twain through stewardship agreements and contracts. We've got three project level staff that work with the NRCS and work with private landowners in, in various areas of the state. Uh, we've got Justin Ferguson in uh, St. Francis and surrounding counties. We've got Will Reckimer in Texas and surrounding counties. And we've got Tyler Rhodes, who's our National Forestry Initiative forester that covers most of northwest Missouri. John, one more thing before I let you go. I'm sure our listeners are kind of curious about this, too. We're, we need to work hard to restore this grand bird, um, was almost the national symbol of America, um, what does the turkey bring to this state? What does it bring to habitat? What does it bring to us? Well, most of the you know turkey enthusiasts, turkey hunters, it's a it's a wonderful sport. It's happening at a time of the year where it's not really com- competing with anything else. So anybody that's not ever experienced it really needs to give it a try because it is a very very special activity. And, you know, it's, it's the centerpiece of, of my family's, you know, life. I mean, we, we decorate our homes based around the bird. We, 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 uh, our, a lot of our discussions are, are based around, uh, you know, this activity that we deeply enjoy. And then the bird that, 
the, the habitats that it likes, you know, we're, we're doing what we do, uh, to improve habitat to help the bird, but there's a whole slew of other species from insects to reptiles and amphibians to other birds and, you know, the, the list goes on that benefit directly from the work that we do for the wild turkey. And it's, it's, uh, we've got about a hundred thousand turkey hunters in the state of Missouri and it's, it generates a lot of jobs and it generates a lot of revenue. John, thank you so much for joining us on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? 
No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is gonna tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet is here with us to talk about her latest article, How to Protect Parents from Financial Scams. This is such a great article, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bill. Yeah. the You know, the older I get, and I keep saying I'm middle-aged, but I keep moving that bar as I'm getting <laughs> older. But, you know, I, I get, uh, you know, scam emails or scam text, and there's words in the subject line that kind of trigger me and... And for a split second, I panic. I'm like, oh, oh, what's wrong? And then it's like, okay, I know this is a, a hack or a scam, but that's what they like to do. And uh, and in your article, you state that they go after older people because it's assumed that they've built up more wealth. It's really incredible. I mean, there's nothing that makes older people necessarily say that they'll you know fall for these scams more. But the problem is that they're being targeted more. So the issue is that scam artists know that older Americans, you know, in general, have more wealth than younger Americans because they've spent their whole lives working and saving for retirement. And so from a scam artist's perspective, you want to go after that money. And so that, unfortunately, is why we're seeing scam artists just get so creative when it comes to targeting older adults. And like you said, they're very sneaky. It's so easy to fall for some of these scams just because they are so sophisticated. And you have some numbers from the Federal Trade Commission, and it's staggering to read how often fraud happens and then the money that is lost. It was so striking. Uh, so consumers who are above age 60, they reported losing more than a billion dollars due to fraud. And that's just in the year 2021. Uh, and when you compare the older adults to younger adults, the older adults do lose more money from fraud. And that is because of what we just talked about. They have more money to lose. And it really speaks to why they're being targeted. So scammers are having success. Uh, that's an uh, astronomical number for one year. How to protect parents from financial scams. That's Kimberly Palmer's newest article from Nerd Wallet. And you have some tips on how to protect our parents. The first one is raising the topic. It sounds straightforward, but really just talking about scams. Say you are at your parents' house and you've noticed something in the news lately about a scam going around. It's a great move to bring it up and talk to them about it because then they can be more aware. So, for example, there's a common scam where a scam artist pretends they're a grandchild. Uh, they might even know, you know, use the correct name uh, and other details. And they call the grandparent claiming to be the grandchild in trouble. Of course, the grandparent wants to help the grandchild, but it's not really them. It's a scam artist. So just talking about scams like that when they're in the news, it can just help raise the level of awareness. So you're more likely to know when something is a scam. 
there are things out there, tools for us uh, that can help our parents, and, and we need to become familiar with them, too. It, it's leaning on anti-fraud tools. There are a lot of steps we can take uh, using some of these tools. So, for example, it, you can set your phone to automatically send unknown numbers, which, of course, can be scam artists, directly to voicemail. And so it's not even going to ring on your parents' phone. So that's a great way to protect uh, setting up a credit freeze so people can't take out new credit accounts in your name. And then just being more mindful when you're sharing details about your life on social media, doing a privacy check. Who is really seeing these posts? Uh, how Do you want to be sharing things like the name of your pet if that's also you know a common password question so just being mindful of what you're sharing online oh wow yeah great point kimberly palmer from nerd wallet uh how to protect your parents uh from scam artists and i was wondering if we can um just do a little sidebar here when it, you talk about freezing your credit uh doing that yourself can you explain that a little more to our listeners and how that works of course. So freezing your credit basically means you reach out to each of the three big credit bureaus. That's Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. They each have a process. You contact them and you can do it online or you can call them and you basically fill out a form. So you are going to freeze your credit, which means that if any bank or financial institution runs a credit check to take out a new account for you, they, they won't be able to access your credit file. And that means you won't be able to open any new accounts. And the reason that's helpful is because it means that scam artists also can't open new accounts in your name. Of course, if you want to legitimately open a new account, you have to unfreeze your credit before you do that. So it can be a bit of a hassle, especially if you are about to be, say, applying for a mortgage or a car loan. So you want to be mindful of that. But if your main priority is making sure a scam artist can't take out a new account in your name, then freezing your credit is very helpful. Yeah, that's good. We, uh, we we had to do that once and then uh, forgot to fix one of the three. And then uh, we, we were trying to get a car and they're like, hey, uh, you know, it's blocked and it's frozen. And, but it is easy to, to undo. It was just a couple of extra steps. But, yeah, it's um, it's really a great way to protect yourself. I'm glad you explained that for us. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet, how to protect parents from financial scams. Uh, your next tip, and I kind of talked about it, too, that that split second of panic is know the warning signs. One big warning sign is if suddenly you notice your parents are getting a ton of text messages uh, or phone calls and you you don't really know who they're from or if suddenly they're having trouble paying for everyday expenses because their money has gone to a scam artist. And often people are embarrassed of having this experience of, you know, falling for a scam. And so they might even, you know, try to hide it from you or not want to talk about it. So that's why it's worth knowing those red flags. So you can do a little bit of investigation on your own and just, you know, make sure your parents are protected uh, if they need that extra support from you. Yeah. And then your last tip is to avoid shaming. Well, this is something I learned myself when I was writing this article and talking to people that it is very common to, you know, in it by accident, blame the victim in this situation. Even the way we talk about fraud, falling victim, for example, is a common term we use. And we don't really, you know, blame people if they are the victim 
uh, or they are have other types of problems. Like, for example, they their house is broken into. But when it comes to fraud, somehow it's easy to make people you know feel like it's their own fault. And that's something we really want to avoid because sh- the shame around it stops us from talking about fraud. So I think the first step is just to have it be more in the open, acknowledge that it's so easy to fall for these kinds of scams uh, and it's not your fault. And there are steps you can take to recover. Yeah. Total loss of more than $1 billion in 2021 alone. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet, where can we find uh, this and other of your, uh, your other articles? Thank you so much. I'm at nerdwallet.com. And on Twitter, you can find me at Kimberly Palmer. And you can find this column at both places. All right, Kimberly, we will catch up with you again next month. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I've been driving trucks for a long time safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. The first three years of every child's life are critical. Learn more about early intervention. How your baby or toddler plays, learns, talks, acts, and moves give important clues as to how they are developing. If you have any questions or concerns about whether your baby or toddler's development is on track, please call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Mom and Dad used to argue about everything, especially about Dad's drinking. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful when Mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. I wanted a better relationship with Dad, so I asked Mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to alanon.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Show me today. 
on the heels of an eventful few weeks in the Missouri Senate involving transgender-related legislation passing and going to the House. Promo Missouri held a large protest on the steps of the Capitol. It was called the Protest for Trans Rights. Anthony Morbeth talks with Shira Berkowitz. Um, we're an organization that truly believes that Missouri can be a state in which all LGBTQ people including every demographic, race, ethnicity, zip code, and experience um, are valued and thriving. Um, And to do that, we're an advocacy and public policy organization. So following up the large protest for trans rights that took place uh, on the steps of the Missouri Capitol, talk to me a little bit about what the protest was for and and how the turnout was. Absolutely. Um, For the entirety of Missouri's legislative session this year um, and for the past three years, transgender uh, Missourians, specifically transgender youth um, and and their parents and and in some regards transgender adults um, have been under attack by our state policymakers um, attempting to take away uh, gender uh, affirming health care. Um, healthcare that we know is backed by all the major medical associations um, and uh, is, is a standard of care, as well as um, the legislature trying to um, ban transgender youth from being able to participate in sports alongside their peers. Um, this year specifically, the, ta- the attacks have gotten extremely broad um, from being as specific as taking away uh, transgender, uh, gender-affirming health care, all the way to trying to ban medical schools uh, in our state from being able to teach diversity, equity, and inclusion um, values, principles, and curriculum, which would lead to being able to treat transgender patients. Um, would, would lead to not being able to treat black and brown pregnant women um, and, and a whole gamut of, of minority identities um, and trying to uh, make school districts um, have policies that would force um, teachers, principals, staff, um, et cetera, to out students to their parents uh, by having laws that would say we can't talk about gender identity or sexual orientation in the classroom. And so as these attacks have gotten significantly worse, a couple of weeks ago, the Senate full chamber passed um, a ban on gender-affirming health care and a full ban on uh, transgender kindergartners all the way through the collegiate level being able to participate in sports uh, with their peers. Um, and so our, our community is activated and angry and scared um, and, and needed an outlet to be really loud about um, that we, we cannot be a state that assumes these attacks any longer. And so um, Promo got together with a really large coalition of, of direct service organizations and advocacy organizations and trans-led organizations across the entire state. Uh, and we rallied in protest uh, on the front steps of the Capitol uh, just this past week. Um, I'll say like we're incredibly proud of the turnout. Um, 700 or more people joined us um, in 
in outrage, but in also uh, in celebrating joy in our own community, um, which is a huge mode of resistance for for us. The two pieces of legislation in question that have been the subject of conversations ad nauseum, both from uh, my point of view, someone who uh, reports news, but also from your point of view, someone who's trying to advocate uh, rather for these to not pass, is Senate Bill 39, the transgender sports bill, to sum it up in a sentence, and then Senate Bill 49, the Missouri SAFE Act, as uh, we'll simply call it, the uh, gender transition for uh, those under 18. It would basically prohibit that. So obviously, uh, Promo Missouri and your related advocacy groups are essentially saying this shouldn't pass, this can't pass. This is, yeah, I know that you have said online, you have labeled it anti-trans legislation, uh, but let's uh, sort of look at this from a crystal ball point of view. And, and that is, let's say this does pass the House. Let's say this does get signed by Governor Mike Parson. What is the path forward for uh, the LGBTQ community as a whole, as well as for trans rights? Um, you know, the effects are going to be detrimental. They already are. Um, the rhetoric across our entire country that that trans youth um, don't know who they are and that families um, of trans youth um, should be penalized and in some cases criminalized for providing health care to their children um, is devastating on its own. Uh, we see a, a tremendous uptick in in the distraught mental health of trans youth across our country, and specifically in Missouri, um, that's really significantly tracked by the national organization called the Trevor Project um, that has direct service helplines for kids. Um, and so already in this really fragile and scared situation, when and if laws pass, um, such as SB 39 and SB 49, we're going to see um, families of trans kids moving out of our state um, in, in tremendously hindering the economic um, environment or climate of Missouri. Um, we're going to see transgender uh, families uh, of transgender kids and transgender adults um, mental health decline and go into like serious situations of, uh, of risk. And we're going to, I, I think that a lot of our families are going to have to make decisions about, is this the state that can protect their kids? And it's going to be clearly the answer will be no. So um, we'll see what happens. But I do want to mention that gender affirming care um, has always been accessible um, to transgender Missourians. Um, there are there are countless transgender adults uh, in our state who are thriving, and that is because they survived childhood into adulthood, living in their authenticity. Um, so there will be avenues to um, access gender-affirming care. It just won't be through uh, the medical providers and the gender clinics. Um, and I think for Missouri, a, a real detriment is that our gender clinics, um, who are, are leading the country in a lot of this medicine, uh, will be at risk for having to close. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Shira Berkowitz of Promo Missouri, talking about not just the following up on the large protest for trans rights that took place at the steps on the steps of the Missouri Capitol. But what we're also doing is we're trying to give sort of a look at the state of trans rights in 2023 in the midst of the legislation that has been going through the state capitol. So uh, let's talk about this. Uh, could you... From your point of view, 
uh, clarify, uh, I, I've seen this discussed online, and I'll sort of call it misinformation, surrounding the needs of the trans community. Is and has there been misinformation? Is the trans community and is the LGBTQ community sort of as a whole being misunderstood in terms of what uh, you're hoping to lobby and support for? I think that there is a huge misunderstanding of what it means to be transgender um, and a, a deep misunderstanding of, of um, not recognizing that everybody in our country knows somebody who is transgender and they're, they're people just like everyone else. Um, the attacks that are coming from our legislature are not out of misunderstanding. They're out there. They're elected leaders who are making a, a very intentional choice um, to use transgender youth as political pawns to gain um, power in their own campaign trails and being able to leverage these attacks to secure higher offices. Um, that's not only completely detrimental to our community as a whole, but it is using the most marginalized um, citizens in our state to incorrectly uh, gain political points. So as we um, bring this conversation to a close, what is the message Promo wants to get out to Missouri? Um, to all of the transgender Missourians, I, I insist that we, we see you, we know you, we hear you, and, and we will not stop fighting until we win this fight. Shara Berkowitz of Promo Missouri here on Show Me Today. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Thanks to our guest, Shira Berkowitz from Promo. Kimberly Palmer from NerdWallet always gives great money advice, and we have her on once a month. John Burke from the National Turkey Federation, Wild Turkey Federation. Good luck this season, Hunters, and thanks to Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Now, if you miss one or a couple of those segments, or if you miss a day, get our podcast Search Show Me Today on Apple or wherever you download. We put full shows up there, individual segments as well, so uh, easy to find. And thanks for subscribing. Baseball, both of our teams are at home. The Cardinals will be taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Royals are hosting the Texas Rangers. For Anthony Morbeth, Elisa Nelson, and Ashley Bird, I'm Bill Pollack. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again Tuesday. Show me today.